Hi, my name's Shelley Flett. Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast, where I share insights, experiences, successes, and failures with leaders from across a broad range of industries and business structures. I maintain that each of us needs to be open to sharing our experiences and making the leadership playground safe enough to fail, to grow, to have fun, and ultimately become more dynamic. So please sit back and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. Today's topic is on the transition into leadership, one that can either make or break a person. I've seen people move into management and swiftly retreat um, with the belief that, you know, I'm not really cut out for this people leadership stuff. I'm not even sure if I like people uh, and so many other excuses like that. But I've also seen people who I've thought, well, I'm not really sure if you are cut out for leadership, but they've had some really great support mechanisms around them and some really solid um, people in their network and they end up nailing it and they end up creating a career out of it. Um, And so today's guest is Anna Marshall, who is the founder of People Mastery. Um, She's got over a thousand coaching hours and she's got hundreds of leadership development programs under her belt. uh, And she has a deep appreciation for the challenges faced by emerging leaders. So thank you so much thank you so much <laughs> Sorry. thank you so much for joining us Anna it's great oh, to have you here well thanks for having me on your podcast I'm really happy to be here so my my very first question around uh, you know entering into that leadership space and working with emerging leaders is what was your journey <laughs> Big my journey was a bit of a, a weird one I'll try and keep it tight I kind of fell into HR and kind of team leadership. I, I studied an export and um, languages background in the UK. And then I moved to Broken Hill, of all places in, in Australia. Not much use for Spanish and German there, I found. So I got into uh, sort of interesting things, writing books for the Chamber of Commerce and um, doing some sort of executive support roles. And then an opening came up in training and development. So I kind of got into um, people leadership that way. And I guess it was just sort of a bit of osmosis, if you like, which I think some people uh, experience where you just, you know, you go pretty well in your role and then, okay, well, how about the team gets a little bit bigger and how come, how about you're in charge? <laughs> so pretty organic. So that's kind of how I kind of first got into leading teams. And then I became sort of a, an HR manager and then I kind of moved over to the organization development side of things, which is my passion and um and then i've just been i've been leading teams in that space and then started my own my own baby team in my own business in 2013 fabulous i love that you know got handed over the reins i often think about you know sitting in the car and this is going to sound terrible but i do remember sitting in my in the car with my dad when i was younger and we had a, a farm vehicle so it wasn't out on the road but you know i remember him saying he hold the steering wheel <laughs> and then I think about my um, transition into leadership and it was a bit like that. He holds the steering wheel, but I don't even know how to drive. <laughs> I can't reach the pedals. Oops. <laughs> it feels a little bit like that, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's what's tricky sometimes is that you, it just is really organic. You know, an opportunity arises and, you know, you step into it or you're invited into it or you can you hold the wheel for a minute? Um, so it happens in lots of different ways. And I guess one of the things that, and, and you know, in, in my book, one of the things that really jumped into my mind was, it, you know, it's enabling people to actually make that choice. You know, yeah, you might fall into it, but can you actually step back for a minute and go, okay, do I choose this? So that, for me, that's the challenge for, for new leaders. You know, is it, is it a choice? Oh, I love that because by giving people the choice, they then um, can really own it. 
Uh, yeah. I find that if people feel like they've been pushed into things, they can often um, continue to blame and look for others as to why they're not um, succeeding or why it's not the right thing for them at that point. But, you know, the minute you say to them, you've, you've realised you've got a choice with this, it changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think, you know, one of the things I've noticed, and you might have seen some similar things through your journey too, Shelley, is that sometimes people, you know, are you, they think they're choosing but they're not really because they're they're thinking, oh, how do I advance myself or my career? And sometimes it looks like leadership is the only way to do that because there's not another pathway. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, it's important to notice that you can make a developmental growth pathway through, you know, te- you know being a technical expert, you know, becoming the guru. Uh, and you can make it through leadership. And if leadership is not for you, don't don't follow that path. That's not bad. It's just different. Just but find another path that suits you. Don't be railroaded into leadership if it's not for you. So how do um, how do you work? So let's say some of our leaders listening are thinking about succession planning or who's next for them, and they know what they've experienced, and which is often, hey, you look like you'll be all right with <laughs> this. Would you mind holding the steering wheel? Um, is how do they how do they help people to develop that is different to what they've had yeah that's a really good question I I guess you know I think we feel like we've got a really ginormous answer but maybe let's start with this little teeny bit and then see where we go I think it's about the very first thing is expectations you know so if you're creating that opportunity and like you said your succession planning you want people to step up what are they stepping up to (laughs) you know and when you say hey hey do you want to be a leader and you want to hold the wheel what do you mean by that um so and I think that's what happens is you know leadership that word it's like you know one of my other favorites communication it's this massive motherhood catch-all statement and you think you know what it means but it just means so many different things to so many people and that's probably why I'm a bit antsy when I talk about leadership and I talk about people leadership is what I'm talking about uh and what does what does that mean and what what does that involve and how will you have to you know be different especially if you're just moving into people leadership for the very first time there's a lot of stuff you're going to have to stop doing mm. that wrong. yeah um, and so leaders asking themselves you know what specifically am I expecting this person to be able to do and then communicating it with them specifically and on the flip side is someone who is being asked if they want to hold the wheel what specifically does that mean what does that look like etc um, and yeah. doing that both ways yeah sounds like that would really open up communication channels uh, as well yeah exactly and I guess you know the the communication is such an important part of leadership so I kind of talk about you know five sort of essentials in my mind you know especially for those beginning baby leaders you know where you're just doing it for the first time you know and the the first one is actually just connecting so you know it's all about the relationship so how do you actually connect with the people in your team number two no surprises communicating which we've talked about already yeah yeah and then focus because if if you're not focused suddenly everything's important your team's all over the place they're overwhelmed turns into a dog's breakfast uh and then you want to develop your team because again if you're developing people or they're wanting to stay with you they're learning with you that's really good and the last one is helping them resolve problems so Mm. and this is probably one of the key sticking points is you know um, a lot of people when they've been an individual contributor and then they step into leadership they've been used to answering all the questions you know Mm. yeah I'm the expert on x 
and I'm going to answer all the questions and they think they're going to keep doing the same when they become a leader, but actually it's the opposite. You know, you need to let go of having all the answers and Mm. become a really awesome coach. So, you know, leaders coaches is kind of that sort of change point for them as they move into that role. Which, you know, when you think about the role of answering questions, it's quite a passive approach to a role and it can come quite easily. It's the, um, and I don't necessarily know that you have to give up knowing all of the answers because I think sometimes you need to know some of the answers in order to ask the questions that will then generate a different kind of thinking, don't you? Yeah, sure. And so, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I see working with leaders is what question to ask. And a lot of leaders ask not enough questions or not, not enough of the right questions. And that's kind <laughs> yeah. of a hard skill to teach. It is. And I, th- I think uh, I feel like that's been one of my personally, like one of my biggest learnings. Like I did a lot of coach training along the way. And I mean, that's l- lucky for me. I'm in that really fortunate position and many leaders don't have that opportunity Um, So like you said, more of the right kind of questions, you know, what are the right kind of questions, you know, not the, should you do that? Or do you think you should have blah, 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 which is often what falls out of our mouths, but the, what what would be a different way of approaching this? Or, you know, what have we, what have we not thought of, or what's wrong with my idea? Um, Really, you know, transmitting that sense that you believe they are capable of coming up with an answer, even when they don't think they can yet. Uh, yes. And, and I think the second component to that is how do you hold the space for them to actually uh, rationalise and, and process that? I think the other part to coaching, and you know, you know this as well, is that hold the silence. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just gold. And I'm a, you know, fairly fast paced person. Like I used to jump on top of people, on top of people's like sentences a lot and cut them off. And I had a manager that really taught me well about not doing that. We were just having this conversation one day and I'm jumping all over his conversation and he just stopped talking. What's, what's wrong? What's happening? So, well, no point in me saying anything. You seem to know everything that I'm going to say. And I was like, holy shit, you know, I had the holy shit moment. And, you know, big light bulb for me to just step back, allow the space. And then, of course, when I did my coach training years later, it's like, oh, holding the silence. That's what that is. <laughs> and so it was great of your leader to be able to do that. No point in me saying anything because you've got this all covered. But what happens with leaders that don't get that from their manager and their staff are too scared to actually say that? Yeah, I guess it's maybe looking for, for feedback from some other places, I guess. Um, you know, who who's the person that? Um, you know gives you that permission to speak freely feedback you know no holds barred like you know we've all got people that we have to put the special gloves on and we've got to deal with them really carefully and then there's the people that we can kind of bear our soul to and they will do the same to us they are the kind of people they'll just go oh yeah you're terrible you talk over people all the time awesome good to know (laughs) you go that hurt (laughs) well I mean, it can, but the reason is that what's behind that is this really positive intention. You know, they want to serve, they want you to be your best. And for me, that's the, that, that's the whole thing about feedback is we're not giving feedback to make you feel bad or slap you down or hold you back. We're giving it to help you learn and grow and be your best. So bring mm. it on, I say. <laughs> how, um, how important do you think, you know, just based on what I was talking about in the introduction that, you know, I have seen leaders that have failed and dipped out too early and others that have succeeded in spite of what I've, you know, thought in the beginning. Um, 
how much, uh, I guess, weighting does the support network that people have have on someone's ability to succeed in leadership? I think it's really critical. I really do. Um, I kind of feel, especially, you know, we talked about these beginning leaders, you know, people stepping into that role, or it could be even someone, Shelley, you know, maybe some of your more senior clients and they're kind of, you know, quite advanced in their leadership experience, but they're kind of looking around and, you know, you can hear crickets, like there's just no one there to draw on. And, you know, you kind of lose your energy. You haven't got any sounding boards. It can be really, you know, exhausting and you can get a bit burnt out so I really feel especially in the beginning you need someone to keep checking in with and sometimes organizations are awesome and they have mentoring programs and buddies and really awesome leader inductions and all that kind of stuff and sometimes they don't so Mm. how can you help yourself and I guess I I love the kind of you know first nations elders concept you know so who are your elders like and I love the fact that elders are Um, lots of different people with lots of different knowledge banks and so you don't have to go to one person for everything like so you know so and so is the expert on communication great I'll go to them for that or so and so has been in my path before I'll go to them so how can you get this really you know support crew like a pit crew in in the Mm. Grand Prix isn't it around you that you can draw on all the time Uh, and they're not um, and I guess it's not necessarily reserved for those that have been there and done that before given how fast like I've seen the leadership landscape change so much over the last um, five years but obviously definitely over the last two with COVID etc how important do you think it is to to tap into the um, younger generations those are just entering the workforce to understand what the future of leadership looks like oh critical I mean it's the whole like reverse mentoring isn't it tell me what I don't know tell me what I don't I mean I'm nearly 50 next year (laughs) and there's lots that I don't know I mean I have a 16 year old daughter and she is teaching me all the time uh about you know she looks like I've got two heads going what are you talking about and then I learn from her and like oh okay switch and ultimately uh, you know, when you're being a leader, and I think it doesn't matter about your age or stage or, you know, as you say, the landscape's changing all the time. That's the whole thing. You've got to be a chameleon. You mm. have to adjust to your environment and your situation, notice, be really observant about what's going on around you and how people are, and then adjust. Like you can't, they're not going to change. Or, I mean, they can, but they might not. You can only control you. So what are you going to do differently? Oh, it's so interesting. And I'm going to draw on one of the things that you talk about in your book. And it's something that I love myself, which is the four stages of learning. So yeah. you know how you go through the four stages of learning and you've got like, I don't know what I don't know. You transition to, I know what I don't know. And then there's a period of time between, you know, I don't know what I know and I know what I know before you can then get that, you know, unconscious um, competence around now. I, I don't know what I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're transitioning between, I don't know, and I know, it takes time, doesn't it? And repetition. Yeah. So leaders that are entering the space today for the first time, they don't necessarily have the luxury that perhaps you and I did when we first entered the space of time to get really good at one thing. It's almost like there's learning going on at different levels all the time. How do, how does a leader navigate that without moving into overwhelm? because <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I'm just talking about it <laughs> <laughs> I know well there's a few different things that I'm thinking of um so I'll make two points first one is is it, just think about everything that you do as an experiment 
Um, so I think sometimes, you know, and I put myself in this category too, you know, we can have really high standards for ourselves. You know, I'm a brand new leader. I should be expert at this on day five. Rubbish. You won't be. Um, you couldn't possibly be. No one expects you to be apart from yourself. So it's, it's, it's experimentation, you know, tr try it and then step back and go, hmm, what worked? What uh, went seriously pear-shaped? And what will I do differently the next time? And I think one of the things that I notice at the moment and maybe accentuated by COVID is, like you said, overwhelm and this horrible uh, back-to-back diary-itis that everybody has. There is like zero time for reflection in there. How can you possibly learn from your experiments when there's no time in there? So I think that's probably one thing I would, you know, I do harp, harp I'll say harp, harp on about that in my book, <laughs> reflection, 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 you know, give yourself space to actually sit back and go, okay, what worked this week? What was an abysmal failure? What will I do differently next week? Who can I draw on? Like you said, you know, who's your support crew that you can draw on? Um, so I think that there's experimentation and I'm just, I'm coming back to your question again and go, what was my second point? It's gone out of my head at the moment. <laughs> I'm on it's, my current hobby <laughs> <laughs> It's such a good point around, uh, you know, creating the space and, and being able to reflect. Um, and it's something that I'm consistently hearing um, over the past probably six months. It's been one of the consistent messages that has come through when I'm talking to leadership experts is create the space to reflect. Don't let other people own your calendar. Mm -hmm. um, say no to things or negotiate, you know, ask whether does this need to be a conversation or can this be an email? Yeah. Um, you know, are you wanting to utilise it for discussion of the collective or are you wanting it to just pass information on? And if you are, record a video you know, make exactly. it, you don't, it doesn't, not everything has to be email. We've got the ability to record, you know, little videos and, and share them and deliver our message um, in a way that can be absorbed and received in, in the time that someone needs it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I was talking with a leadership team on Tuesday and I actually asked them to do this exercise where they looked at meetings in their diary and they sort of compared sort of, you know, a month ago to, to now. So we had a little sort of conversation in between time. And there were some really interesting observations about, you know, how relevant those meetings were to the strategy that they were trying to focus on, you know. And they're like, well, actually, if I look back at that week a month ago, probably not relevant. But now I have more meetings, but 100% of them are relevant to the strategic outcomes. You're like, great. So it's sometimes it's not about you know, more meetings, less meetings. It's about relevant meetings. Like, you know, mm -hmm. do I need to be here? Yes or no? Could one of my people do this? Awesome. Why are you there? <laughs> so yeah. it's just about that testing, you know, you know, it comes back to questions again, you know, asking these really good questions instead of just, you know, autopilot, accept, 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 accept. What can I say no to? If mm -hmm. I say yes to that, what am I saying no to? Mm. You know, I love those good questions, you know. Yeah. And what's the trade-off? I, I love that yeah. in terms of, you know, that's how, that's a really good way to prioritize um, time and, um, and pieces of work is, um, you know, if I do this, what doesn't get done? Not yeah. if I do this, can I still do that as well? And perhaps just not go to the gym or eat out of a vending machine or whatever it is um, <laughs> yeah. that we resort to. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It is. Um, and so um, the other thing that I guess uh, from a meeting perspective and one of the things that I kind of suggest is 
Um, can you ask yourself two questions about meeting invites that come through? One is for what purpose and does that align to the strategy? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second question is, you know, what specifically is the outcome of this? So what specifically am I getting by attending this meeting? Um, yeah. And is that best used? And I, I love what you said. It definitely comes back to asking questions, not always of everyone else, but often of yourself mm. first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you, I think your questions are perfect. And, it, and if the answer is, uh, what, what am I getting out of this? Nothing. And what I contribute to this? Nothing. But it's an obvious no, you know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, in your book, um, you talk about three common derailers that leaders need to avoid. Can you share a little bit uh, more <laughs> around these? I actually really like them. You know, I've got this lack of desire and I'm too busy. Give us give us a little yeah. bit more around those. Yeah. So I think the first one, you know, and I make that conversation about, you know, are you right with that? Yeah, yeah, I got this. And then, you know, you can hear the screaming of children and explosions in the background shortly thereafter, right? And I think... If you're going to be successful, you need to be humble. And back to you, like the learning journey, you know, there's lots of stuff that you don't know. Just put your hand up. I don't know this. I'm doing this for the first time. Brenny Brown's FFTs. I'm not going to say the words. First, first time. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if you're humble, uh, you it's people are just going to help you. Um, I, it's kind of interesting with status. Like you see people who ha- want to take that high status, you know, I have the power and I'm, I'm a leader now. I have the name badge. Um, and what happens with that? Everybody just sort of turns off. If you go in there, oh my God, guys, like I'm doing this for the first time. Can you please help me out? What am I not seeing here? Everybody is at your disposal. They want you to be successful because if you're a good leader, it's going to be better for the team. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to win. Yeah. Um, so that's the first one. So, you know, I always have oh. alarm bells when they're like, oh, yeah, I've been in my job one week. I've got this. <laughs> I love that. I, I actually makes me think of my older sister who is, you know, she's in a global role and um, and she says when she doesn't, no idea but leave it with me and she <laughs> says and she says it with such conviction and confidence that you don't like no one ever challenges that and I'm sure no one questions her abilities or anything and I just love the way she says it she's like no idea but I'll yeah. find out <laughs> leave it with me Perfect. and you know that's the honesty the authenticity uh you know no one's gonna you know get you in trouble for not knowing and right. like your sister did so beautifully she's gonna find out Yep. there's nothing more that's needed that's perfect yeah yeah sure. so that's a great strategy <laughs> so that's the first one so then the next one is lack of desire tell us about that one yeah I mean you've got to want it like let, you know let's be honest people leadership can be really tricky it can be really awesome but it can be really tricky and if you don't really want to do it well hang up your boots my friend go do something else um, and, you, you know, I, I appreciate, Shelley, you might have come across some people in your career where you go, yeah, I don't know that you really want to be here. So convince yourself uh, first. Well, you I, yeah, I guess I'm wondering about that, you know, just being really picky, like, you know, uh, convincing. If you have to convince yourself, I'm like, mm. it's almost like, you know, is it in, in your body? Are you feeling it? Like, do you feel that? It's more about feeling than and being than doing, mm. I think. You know, do you feel like you want to grow other people? Do you feel like you want to support them to be successful? If you're doing it because, oh, I'll get a bigger paycheck this way or, you know, I want to get to see you as quickly as I can. This is the only route I can do it. Please don't do it. <laughs> is, 
Do, do you find that um, you've got to be careful around when you ask yourself that question? Because I, I would imagine having the desire when you're, you know, two months into a uh, role as a leader where when you went in, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And then you're in there and you're up to your eyeballs in God knows what, because you sort of can't figure out where you're at and you're responding, reacting. And you might ask yourself that question and go, I can't remember why I'm doing this. <laughs> why, like, why, why again was I doing it? And that, yeah, how do you differentiate that? Because there are some leaders who who do have the desire, but when the when they're under so much pressure and they don't necessarily have the support or know or see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm. we risk losing some good people there, do you think? Yeah, I guess. One of the things I'm just thinking about is you talk about that sort of that curve, you know, the, oh, I'm really excited. Holy shit, what have I got myself into? And then oh, I think I can actually get through this. No. <laughs> um, you know, it's unfortunate if no one has told you that. Mm. That's what's going to happen. You're going to do the dip. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the difference, I think, between, you know, really supportive learning organisations and the rest. They tell you it's going to be tough first. You know, you'll get that little, oh, honeymoon of two weeks and then <laughs> what is fall, this? Fall, fall in the trench, you know. Um, so if you, if, you, if you know that in advance, either by your own learning or someone supporting you, that's great. I think it's when people don't know that. And then, and then they start having all that self-doubt about, oh, my God, I thought I could do it, but I'm really drowning and I'm struggling and how do I focus the team and da-da-da-da. So um, I think, yeah, you, I mean, you're dead right. You know, depending when you ask yourself, you might get a different answer. Mm. Uh, and maybe that's why it's really good to, before you begin, to step back and pause and reflect. So, you know, as you said earlier, you know, get yourself a really good support crew, mm. particularly if, you don't have a lot of that in your workplace. You know, so if you want to get into leadership and you look around, you go, oh, we don't have a leader induction. We don't have a manager's a bit, uh, the culture's a bit, you know, not ideal. Then you really do need to make sure that you're resourcing that externally so that you've got mm. that support. And, you know, how are you going to support your learning? So if you think you're just going to get in there and get it by osmosis, probably not, you know, you've got an awesome book that they can read. They can read mine as well. Uh, <laughs> you know so you know how do you establish those learning practices how do you identify those one or two habits that you're going to really stick to so that when the noise really starts to hit you and you feel bombarded and overwhelmed you can come back to the core of what you your practice if you like yeah um so that you can kind of stay strong in the storm and that really comes um right back to you know that um acknowledgement of choice doesn't it yeah. is the, yeah. the desire linked with the choice you know I this is why I wanted to do it and it was my choice to do it that when yeah. you when you've taken the dip when you're deep in the trenches um, you can hold on to that and sort of help that as or use that as a way to get yourself out the other side yeah yeah for sure so yeah it's challenging for new leaders that's for sure um, and then one of my favorites and I still hear this way too much I'm too busy <laughs> oh yeah Bah, 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 alarm bell yeah I'm too busy I, I, I you might have seen it Shelly I'm not sure um we haven't talked about this before but there was a really awesome video clip and it was of Jim Rohn who's you know departed now but it was just such a fabulous clip about busyness and he was talking about you know when you're saying I'm too busy what you're saying is I don't choose you or I don't choose that thing 
Mm. So I kind of use this, you know, it happened to me, I kind of made an analogy at home and it was my son, he's, he's about 14 and he came up to me one day and said, oh, mom, um, can you come and bowl me an over, you know, bowl me an over outside so he could practice his batting. And I was like, oh, I'm too busy, mate. I've got to finish this, blah, blah, blah. Now, once I watched that video, I was going, oh, so what I actually said to Miles, what I inferred was, I don't choose you, Miles. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't choose you. That's terrible. And now I just can't say the words. I'm too busy because, like you said, it's like if I choose this, what am I not choosing? Um, and I would love to ban that phrase, I'm too busy, because when you're a leader and you say, I'm too busy to your team, you say, I don't choose you, team. Wow. You're in the wrong, you're in the wrong job. Oh, gosh, I'm just thinking about all the uh, things that I've said to my kids. <laughs> Wait, I've, I've got that too. I've got the t-shirt. Okay. So. <laughs> but it's, you I know, it's that. That, that shift of perspective and you suddenly, you know, so, so I'm too busy means I don't choose you or I don't choose that thing. Yeah. Is, is that what you're saying? Oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just stuck on that now. Um, that's, that's fabulous. Um, I don't choose you, which I think um, brings that humanistic element to it and it does make it personal. And I think we need to make these things personal. I also think it's important for us to go, it's okay if I don't choose you. Yeah. And, you know, especially with teams, you know, so, someone might come to you and you are flat chat, you know, you've got the board paper due at four o'clock and you're not finished and whatever it might be. And, and it, rather than saying, I'm too busy, you say, I can't give you my full attention right now quick look at the diary. I can meet with you tomorrow at two. Does that work? Awesome. I can give you then my undivided attention, you know, you know, or would you rather have like me not paying attention now? Oh, I'll take the two o'clock tomorrow. Thanks. That'd be awesome. Love it. Love so it. it's just like you said, you're in charge of your diary. Yeah. Um, you're owning it. Make sure you block the time in. And, it, and if you really can't give that person your attention, make a time to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that works with children as well. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Let me just pop it in my calendar, sweetheart. <laughs> I'll be seeing you after bedtime. Excellent. <laughs> so um, I love those three derailers. I think they're really um, handy for particularly new leaders. And I'm sure new leaders or those that are emerging have heard I'm I'm too busy. It's so busy. There's so much busyness going on that um, they might be inclined to fall into the trap of um, the whole busy cycle um and so that's a really good way to get out of it get them out of that uh, one of the other things you talk about in your book which i love is about the benefit of reading and i oh. sort of apply that with the i'm too busy yeah. um but i see such importance for reading and learning but tell tell us about where you're coming from with yeah. reading yeah okay so I'll start with a phrase by someone far more famous than me. So Barack Obama, he said, you know, reading is a gateway skill. You know, it just opens the doors to everything else. And I guess these days, you know, everybody's on a screen, you know, well, you can read Kindle, you can read eBooks on your phone, whatever, but people choose not to, they get, they fall down the rabbit hole of Facebook or some other garbage social media and they've actually burned like two or three hours a day. And what have they got out of it? Nothing, probably, probably an extra dose of depression. Awesome. Um, so, you know, how can you just put a little bit of reading into your day? Because, you know, if you're going to be a really effective, if you're going to be a really effective person, let's face it, you, you're going to learn. Like if successful people are people who learn and change. Like you said, you know, look at how much your world has changed in the last, you know, two years, five years, you know, five minutes, you know. 
um, you've got to be continually putting really good nourishing information into your mind so you can leverage that moving forward. So I guess one of the things that I see in the book is, you know, establish this practice of reading and I don't mind what it is whether it's an article you know you could kind of say or maybe it's a uh, TED talk or whatever it might be but get yourself into the habit of even if you sit down for lunch and you read five pages of a book while you eat your lunch in 15 minutes great better than no pages um, and see what you take out of it and then you can have a conversation with a friend about it or one of your mentors and just really um, you know fast track your learning and your growth you know anybody you talk to that's successful they read they do they read um and they walk a lot of the time so you know ryan holiday his book stillness is the key is he talks about a handful like a list of successful um people and one of the things that they do is they they find the opportunity to learn and they find the opportunity to um walk and just um allow things to consolidate and i think yeah. both allow you to do that in quite different ways, but having similar um, effects, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I've got my, my um, earbuds in today. And, you know, if you are you're someone who you, maybe you commute, you know, you, maybe you walk 30 minutes to work each day, put, put Audible in and listen to a book for 15 minutes on your way to work in the morning. Mm. Um, I, I run like book groups with some of my corporate clients. And one of the things that's been really interesting is that some of them read and some of them listen. And the readers have better recall. So, and we know that when you're reading, it goes, goes into your mind a little bit differently. So a lot of people that did, did the listening said, oh, I'm going to go back and read the book now. So I think that's been really interesting. So yeah. I, I think they're all, all good. It's all going in, which is awesome. Yep. But just think about how, what's working for you. And if, if you, you know, maybe if you find reading a little bit tricky, Audible can be great. And you've got some great mm. authors that read their books themselves. It's really wonderful. What is your um, top leadership book that you're reading at the moment? Oh, God. <laughs> I've got a big case full of them behind me. Um, I'm actually reading, I'm reading Michelle Obama's book at the moment, Becoming. And right. even though you wouldn't say, oh, you know, what leadership book are you reading? That, there's so much leadership in there, like self-leadership, leadership of the family, leadership of, of her work environment, like really in awe of her. I'm kind of about three quarters of the way through. Uh, but I guess, you know, one book that is always my go-to on my bookshelf is Pat Lencioni's The Advantage Gold. I recommend that to lots of people that I work with. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was one book that kind of changed my world. And Pat's concept of team number one, team number two was that, you know, amazing um, insight into how to break silos in organizations. And I'm forever thankful for him for sharing that with me. Uh. It's gold. <laughs> he, and he, he's got such a simplistic way of um, conveying quite complex theories yes. around yeah. things. Yeah. And whenever absolutely. you share the, the, his, his um, you know, concepts and models, people always go, that makes so much sense. And like <laughs> you said, because he just has this ability to distill it into mm. a way that's really clear. And so I kind of, I, I would like to try to be more like that, like be able to distill my thinking it's yeah. in a way that's really simple for people to digest. Absolutely. The so I am an audible listener and I listen ah, yeah. at um I listen between 1.4 and 1.6 speed. Um so <laughs> I can't I can't listen at two. My recall at two is is um well beyond me, but the book that I'm listening to at 1.6 at the moment is uh, Limitless by Jim Quick. Nice. And it's fabulous because it does talk about what reading does for you. It actually it talks about how to learn 
how to recall things, how to remember, um, and yeah, just some fascinating um, concepts that he applies in his book. So I'm a huge supporter of um, reading. I I love to do things, like I love to walk while I'm listening. Um, And I think over time, I I think you can build okay recall. Um, I also agree that you probably don't have as much as, uh, what you would get if you were reading a uh, page on um, on paper as well, but definitely for that. So tell us about, um, so you also talk about um, three components around self systems and support crew. And you've spoken, spoken a little bit about support crew. Um, we spoke a little bit about self. What about systems? Yeah, I guess for me, it was, it was in, you know, I talked about having that strategic pause, if you like, before you get into leadership. It's kind of like having a look around at your system. So I guess a lot of books talk about, you know, creating systems that you're going to work in. And for me, it was more observing the systems that you're in. Mm. So, and I guess I think of that in terms of, you know, you, you, you know, culture in an organization is a system. And what does that, what does that look like? And what's that going to mean for you as you make that transition? So, you know, I guess, you know, if we kind of make it really simple, you know, really productive, constructive cultures, middle of the road cultures and really toxic, terrible ones. And I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, irrespective of which one you find you in, hopefully it's in the, in the best one, but so, you know, often I've been in organizations where the culture has been toxic and I've left. Yeah. And I guess I take a bit of a leaf out of Simon Sinek's book. And he, he just says, you know, that's a great environment for learning. So again, it's about your growth mindset. You know, you look at the systems that you're operating in um, and you can even also think about, you know, your people's systems like you know are they do they exist or not exist sometimes in small businesses they are not there yet you know Mm. um but what can you do you know so if you're in a toxic culture awesome you have 15,000 entries a day into the book of what not to do so look at what's going bad how would you flip that and do the opposite there's some great learnings there and when you feel like you've exhausted your learnings awesome probably time to move on to somewhere else and especially Mm. if you can't kind of shift it you know depending on your level of influence um, with the sort of, you know, actual tangible systems like, you know, recruitment, induction, development, that kind of stuff. Um, if, if they don't exist, then you have the opportunity to kind of create some of those things. So, you know, potentially an opportunity to mold them. Um, and, and, if, and if they exist, but they're not ideal, I, the one, I, the, my, fav, my favorite worst one <laughs> is, um, ah, performance review. Yes, we do that mm, once a year. Excellent. Drives me mad. Now, if you're in an organization where that's the process, okay, so once a year, you've got to do some kind of thing, like fill in the survey. That doesn't mean that you can't be meeting with your person, you know, as needs, whether it's once a month. And I kind of don't really like to put timeframes about development because it's whatever's needed. You know, if you're brand new in a job, it might be every week. You know, if you've been there for a while, it might be every six months, whatever. Um, but you can do more than the minimum stated. So, you know, sometimes people don't think there's flex where there actually is. So, you know, it's kind of taking that lens of opportunity, you know, what else could I do here? So it's almost like, you know, doing a, uh, what would you call like an audit or an inventory of what's around you and then asking yourself that question, okay, how is this serving me? And if it isn't, how do I need to adjust? How do you develop the confidence and courage as a new leader to be able to do that? Because it's that sounds quite scary as a <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what I'm doing and what? Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. I guess the first thing is to, you know, nothing worse than a new broom that comes in and goes, everything here is broken. Stop doing this. 
observe, be curious, why do we do it this way? Who can you, who can you ask? Is there an HR business partner that you can tap into? Is there a colleague that's also a leader that's been in the job for a while that you can go, tell me more about this? So be curious, build your understanding, a bit like the reading, you know, how do you fill your knowledge bank of why things are the way they are? Mm-hmm. And once you feel confident that you understand, like seek first to understand and then be understood, and then yeah. you could maybe suggest some s- small tweaks or changes, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you're dead right, Shelley. It's can be super scary. Mm-hmm. Just go into curiosity mood, you know? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Why do we do this? You know, explain mm. that to me so you can kind of really understand where they're coming from. So it actually just um, got me thinking about the whole buddy system. So I think about any new, you know, I think about kids transitioning from daycare to primary school, they get a buddy. I'm thinking about kids that transition from primary school to high school, they get a buddy. Um, when you transition, when you enter, uh, you know, base level roles, you get training and then you get a buddy. Why don't we do that for leaders? Like, it just occurred to me, why do we not do that? <laughs> well, some of my clients do, which is great. <laughs> so they, they, go, take, they take good advice, yeah. So they get into, they get into a leadership position and they're buddied with another, yeah. another leader. Oh, yeah. Tell us about yeah. that. I love yeah. that so, so I guess if you think about it, um, you know, it's, it's kind of change and transition. So a lot of organizations are quite good at, you know, base level induction. So I'm a new person too, organize, you know, people mastery, or you do the people mastery induction. But what they forget is when they go into the leader role, that actually that's a new role, it needs another induction. Mm. So it's actually a very similar process, just with a different type of buddy. So you need to find someone now who can be resourceful around leadership and what that means. And and help that person on their journey and there needs to be support programs and mm. you know coaching and all those kind of things and again it probably depends on your culture you know if, you, if you're inside an organization that's got a coaching culture already you're probably already ahead of, ahead of the curve which is great but I um I think there's no good reason why not Shelley why should every leader not have a buddy mm. yeah, easy to, it's actually easy to do yeah yeah, absolutely. And the, the buddy that you have doesn't necessarily need to be well-seasoned either. They just yeah. need to be a little bit further ahead than you yeah. so they can go just watch your step there. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. It's a landmine there. It's a landmine. Uh, step yeah. aside that. Um, yeah, it makes so much sense. So one of the other questions, and you talk about this um, in your book, is moving from advice mode to coaching mode. Yeah. Oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Very hard. <laughs> How do we all, you we, like we all like to be the expert a little bit, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to know that we can provide people with um, information that can help them. I think there's uh, sometimes a little bit too much pressure, um, and whether that's conscious or unconscious, of people to then take our advice. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do you get around? Um, well, how do you get around two things? How do you get around the stop giving it? And if you're of the receiver, it's often unsolicited. How do you? get around that yeah that's, that's the first one's definitely easier than the second right so I think so if you if, say for example you're a leader of leaders and you've got a new person stepping into that role um, you know hopefully you will be a little bit practiced by then but I, I think it's around um, do you realize what the consequence is when you are always doling out the advice so you know if if you're my leader and I come to you and I say oh Shelly I've got a bit of a problem and you're like oh yeah so what you should do is blah, blah, blah. What's the message? You're not smart enough to solve this for yourself. 
I am the oracle, the guru, da da da. And and what happens after a while is even if I've got a good idea and I was kind of just about to get it out, you kind of go, up. Oh, there's no point in raising it. Because you know, I always just do what my leader says. That's how that's how things work around you. That's the culture around you. So I think, you know, if there was one thing leaders could do differently, like straight away to make a difference, it would be when they come in, the first thing you should ask is, what do you think? Mm. Because that, you know, it's that focus on the one thing, like one thing you could do differently. If before you say everything else, you say, what do you think? They might say, look, I really have no idea. Can you help me? Sure. But at least you give them the opportunity. Um, So that that's that one. So, you know, there's lots we could do there and there's, there is more in the book about that. Uh, from the other side, it's, you know, how do you have that courageous conversation? You know, if your leader is always shutting you down, yeah, pipe down, I know the answer, here it is. Um, that courageous conversation. And I guess, you know, for me, that can be really, really tricky when you're just newly in the role. So mm. have a look. I guess maybe one of the things I'd suggest is have a look around at who seems to be able to have really powerful conversations with your leader great you know and and what do they do so you know back to being the curious observer oh well they seem to pick their timing or they don't do it on a monday morning when they're really flustered or whatever it might be and then okay so maybe you can ask for some counsel like i need to approach this person and i want to have a tricky conversation what would you advise me so again back to you kind of support crew mm. um, and then think about how you're actually going to phrase that. So there's tons and tons of structures out there that you might use. I'm not sure what your, what's your favorite structure for giving courageous feedback, Shelley? What would, what do you go to? So, uh, you know, first I would say don't give unsolicited feedback. Um, and then if you are the receiver of unsolicited feedback, I often will use the um, pattern interrupt where you um, <laughs> disconnect. And I know that sounds quite terrible, but, um, sometimes you'll be hearing it from someone that when they get going, there is no stopping them. Yeah. Uh, and the only stop is a hard stop, um, yeah. but the courage to do that. And so, um, yeah, often it's, um, oh, hang on a sec. I've got to take, a, I've, got, I've got another call coming through. It's urgent. I've got to go. Um, and being able to do that and and even being able to have the conversation at another time with the person who who does this and just let them know how you feel about, Mm-hmm. Um, advice uh, yeah. and you know get them to in the in the calm neutral uh, space that you can talk to them about how important it is to understand what their experiences are yes. but not necessarily have the advice because experiences and advice are quite different so I will yeah. always love to hear about experiences because I can go oh yes. I can take that bit and that bit that's really handy or that was just really nice to hear that someone else has been through it Yes, you've got that empathy. Mm. Yeah, um, and then and you know create a bit of an advice-free zone that if I want advice, I'll ask you for it. Yes, um, you know yes. specifically, and I think it's such a hard thing to it's a hard, such a hard thing to get your head around. I don't yeah. know why we've learned to be so inclined to give people advice all the time. New parents, new yeah. sports player. You know, you, you you do something once and suddenly you're an expert at it. I don't know where yeah. that comes from. Yeah, I love um, Michael Bungay-Stanya's book, The Coaching Habit, is, and also he's got another one on advice, you know, Taming Your Advice Monster. Like they are both exceptional books for people that want to get around that. And, I, I, you know, one of the frameworks that I find works really well is, you know, and lots of, I'm sure lots of you listeners will know it, like the I statement. So, you know, when I have a challenge uh, and I don't get a chance to work through the 
solution by myself, I feel that I don't have the capability and what I'd like instead is some silence and space to work it through with you or whatever it might be. So, you know, the, you know, when something happens, I feel like this and what I'd like instead is. So just that um, non-blaming, non-defensive request for something different. Yeah. Great. I love that. Um, and for leaders who are inclined to give advice, the minute you hear you should come out of your mouth, yes. the conversation done. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's at the time. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think sometimes avoidance strategies are the best, but they're yeah, I think you're right with um you know building your support network and having a lot of resources. And I think for any emerging and new leader, it's all about starting to develop the resources that you have available. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's the the difference between um, you know, an experienced balance leader and those that are not is just experiences and the access to resources yeah exactly right and and then you know you talked about experience as in people sharing their experience and that's what reading and learning does gives you so many more experiences to draw from and I guess the other thing I'd say about that is uh you know when you read you know whether it's you know your book Shelley or mine or Michael Bungastanias or Pat Lencioni's or whoever it might be I was thinking, you know, just remember they're a framework. They're not like setting concrete. You can make them your own. So, you know, you have all these learnings and you see these synergies here where someone might see it a little bit differently. So, you know, you're just constantly developing your own flavor, if you like, of leadership um, that really works for you. So you don't have to be a cookie cutter. Oh, I'm a Pat Lencioni leadership person. You can you can be a blend. You know, blend is really powerful. Oh, I love that. You don't actually have to model one individual in particular. You can take yeah. a combination and, and I think blend sits really nicely. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for your <laughs> um, insights, Anna. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you. Um, and, I, and I hope that all our listeners have um, you know, taken away some little bits of information. For me, definitely remembering to, to read and also um, take the pause and reflect um, in between meetings. I think they're super powerful. Um, and if you only did those two things, I think you'd be setting yourself up. That's it. You're already ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So if anyone's interested um, in getting a copy of Anna's book, um, I'll put the link um, in the um, in the comments. And if you want to connect with her, I'll put her LinkedIn profile uh, post, uh, sorry, connection link there as well. Um, but thanks again, Anna. Thanks so much for having me, Shelley. It was really fun talking with you. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I look forward to another Dynamic Leader conversation with you soon. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy, to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.